everyone, and welcome back to the Knights of the Dawn podcast, where we talk about everything Brandon Mole. Today, we'll be covering chapter 7 through 12 of book 3, Fablehaven, Grip of the Shadow Plague. I'm Megan. And I'm Jessica. And welcome back. Yep. Sorry it has been a little bit of a while. Um, we've been... We're back in school now, and we're working on finding time to do editing and recording and all that jazz. Yeah. But, we're, we're trying. <laughs> yeah. But we really do appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting, especially on the, the most recent, uh, our tier list video. Um, we think that that, we were really proud of how that turned out. Yeah, it was and a fun gotten, video. Yeah, we've gotten some response from you guys about it. And exciting note, we have recently reached a cr- quite a big uh, milestone, 600 downloads of our podcast since we've started. And we're, we're very excited about that. Yeah. So we just wanted to say thanks, guys. You guys are amazing. Yeah, thank you guys for everything you do. We appreciate it. Well, we should get started. It's fun because we start in a new, mm-hmm. like, preserve yeah. in, in Arizona. Arizona. Jessica's an Arizona girl, fun I fact. Am, I am, and I'm not going to lie. This first chapter was just, like, full of just little tidbits and hints, and I was like, yep, 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 yep. Good job doing your research, Brandon. Well done. Because you grew up near the Navajo Reservation. Mm-hmm. I grew up pretty much on the banks of Lake Powell. There's a little tourist town right there near, named Page. I spent most of my childhood there there and yeah like most of my schools were very heavy navajo population and so yeah like adobe was huge around cacti um all these things (laughs) the heat yes and so every time kendra made a hot joke i was like girl you're not even in phoenix calm down (laughs) like seriously i lived on top of a well not a mesa plateau mesa is a small plateau pretty much fun fact like there's Butte, Mesa, Plateau. I was actually born in Mesa, though. Mesa, Arizona. <laughs> fun facts. Yeah, we can move awesome. on now. No, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of anything. Like, this is fun. Like, you relate to it. Yes. No, but yeah, like, it's like when he says, like, the driver was a quiet Navajo man with leathery skin. I'm like, done. Picture it. I, I can see it. Um, And just like, like when it talks about, like, the various houses, the design, mm-hmm. like, the design, I'm like, I can see it. I can see it. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I'm just, like, filling this in with, like, memories from my childhood. But even Personal then. experience. Mm-hmm, pretty much. And then, uh, like, the Joshua trees, all that jazz. It's funny. And also, I really liked, um, like, pretty early in this these chapters, in Chapter 7, it talks, like, Kendra's asking about the preserve. She's, like, super excited because, like, um, where did it go? Where did it go? Because Neil's finally, like, she said to, like, Neil hasn't been talking now. He's finally opening up. Yay. Yeah. But um, she said, um, where'd he go? She asked, like, do Navajos run it? And Neil says, not solely. We Dene are new here. And Dene is the, is what, like, they call themselves. The Dene is their oh. word for the people. So, like, that's so that's their name for themselves. Yes. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So, the Dene actually is, uses, like, a Navajo it, language. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really, really cool. Yes. I actually knew a few words in Navajo. Yatesh, Chatmagan. What does that mean? <laughs> Crab house. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you learn that at like school from kids or something? Like, where did you learn that? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, chant is like, like fifth graders walk around like, saying crap. That. Like, ah, chant. Or, um, it's not like 
it's not quite profanity, but it's right in between there. I mean, and um, but then it's also like chizzy, like just like read, random little, little words that I learned. Just, <laughs> okay, don't give me that one. I just think that's really funny that you, <laughs> out of all the Navajo words you could have learned as a kid, you learned like crap. Hey, yate, that means hello. Okay. And like. That's a good one. My older sister, she actually, like, she was valedictorian at our high school. Wow. And she gave her um, valedictorian speech, like, the first minute she gave it in Navajo. In Navajo? Oh, and just so for cool. some context, she is probably the whitest, <laughs> blondest, most blue-eyed person. I can confirm. Yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, um, but everybody, everybody was very, like, they were like, woo! Like, we had, like, learned a tiny bit in, like, grade school, but mm. she, like, went back and, like, asked... Like a friend, she was like, "Hey, yeah. can you actually teach me?" And so then she was able to. She's like, and then I believe the quote, exact quote was like, "To some of you, that probably sounded pretty good. To others who actually speak Navajo, I'm sorry, <laughs> or, or something along those <laughs> yeah. lines." Because I mean, goodness, uh, n- we both yeah. speak other languages. We know accents are horrible, well, and you can't just learn a language, mm-hmm. much much less I mean, like a native just, American language, which is probably like, really hard. Like, yeah. yeah, but like, she, like I've heard people say that like Navajo, like. Like linguists who know like, oh, fifty la- dozens yeah. of languages, they're like Navajo is like Navajo's hard. Was like one of the hardest that they've ever learned. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm, I know words. <laughs> if you want something interesting to look up, look up the Navajo code talkers from World War Two. Oh, Super I, cool. I, I wrote a paper on them in, I did in a paper high on school them too in college. Super cool. Got me such a good grade. I was so proud of it. Love it. Super interesting. Yeah. Like growing up, like they would like during. Um, like Fourth of July and like Veterans Day parades. Oh they would yeah, have, oh that's so they cool. would have code talkers who served in World War Two. That's amazing. That live because they like a lot. Yeah, some of them are still alive. And yeah, they live on the reservation. They would have them like come through and like like they had a museum and page for it. That's as well. so cool. Like it was just like I remember like we had a little book that like told the story and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Cause, mm-hmm. But that's like a part of my personal. I may not be Native American, but I grew, grew up, up around it. I yeah. grew up in that culture. Yeah. And it's a part of my It's part of your childhood. childhood. Yeah. 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 You grew up in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So seeing that represented here, like, and even then, it later it talks, like, just right there, it also talks about the Anasazi. Fascinating. The cliff dwellers. So intriguing. Arizona's underrated, people. Look it up. <laughs> it's just hot most of the time, so... <laughs> Northern Arizona is really good. It's basically like like Southern Utah is Southern Utah is hot. Okay. Northern Utah got snow. Northern 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 Arizona, Utah North, and Northern Southern Ari- Utah. Northern very Arizona okay. got snow once every couple of years. I remember okay. building a snowman. It's we built not, It's not hot in the winter. It's hot in the spring and the summer. <laughs> yeah, I can't deny that one. <sighs> anyway. But yeah, love so, to see the representation. Love it, really cool. And it really it, it it speaks to me personally, and I really appreciate. I it. I will say, I think this is kind of off topic from the book, but I think Brandon Mole does a really awesome job about giving represent, like even like even just like little bits of like representation of like other cultures, mm-hmm. like he does the Navajo, like Native American. He does like later he does like Polynesian like mm-hmm. in Dragon Watch and that really speaks to me because I'm part Polynesian and so Australian I just Australian and Australian like I think he does a really good job of not doing just like you know white American <laughs> people or European or whatever like even though a lot of like folk tales and like fairy tales and stuff 
and magical creatures that we typically think of come from, you know, like the Grimm brothers or something, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Traditional I think, European. Yeah, I think he does a really good job of like pulling from different like mythologies and things like that and representing these other cultures and stuff. And I think it's really, really cool. He really like he he does a great job of like culturalizing these preserves. Yes. They yeah. They feel like they belong in their in where they, where the they are. The geographical area, yes. yeah. Yeah, like, culturally and geographically, they feel like they're real. Like even Fablehaven, like, yeah. it had that little New England town that mm-hmm. Bayamut had destroyed previously. Yeah. Like, it felt like it belonged there in Pennsylvania. That's exactly. That's Pennsylvania, right? Connecticut? It's one of those two. New England, done. Yeah. <laughs> Back east. <laughs> but, and then this Lost Mesa feels like it belongs in Arizona. Not even in Arizona, like on the and, Navajo Reservation. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it belongs on there, which, as he says, like it is like the largest Native American reservation mm-hmm. in, the entire, in the United States. Yeah. And I love that little tidbit. He's like, this is part of the reason that we have that is because of Las Mesa. I was like, love that. It is the oldest preserve. And the Anasazi are some of the oldest like people that we know of. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So cool. Love it. I wish we had gotten to go to the Brazil Preserve. I wish so bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, one of the secret preserves have been on Brazil. I wish we'd gotten to go to that one, because that one would have been... Rio Bronco. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Maybe he just couldn't go to Brazil to research. I don't know. <laughs> like, when I was in Brazil, like, I heard about, like, myths and tales of, like, old folklore demons and, like, things like that. They could have done so much! Latin America, man. <laughs> it would have been so good! The jungle. That would have been crazy. He couldn't have just made a sixth book? Just for Brazil. He did. Just not Fable Haven. <laughs> nah, I'll take the Arizona representation and I will love it to death. As you can see. There we go. Anyway. This chapter. Side note made... over, but yes. Yeah. That was great. I I just good good job, Brayden. Mm-hmm. You're doing good. Also, I love the like the just like the subtle continuation of the world building. Like this preserve also has a cow. Yeah. Even better than Viola. And she has uh-huh. like a nice enclosure. Like poor Viola. She's all she's got is a barn. This one's got a full paddock. Mm-hmm. Go go Maisie. I also think it's kinda of funny how Kendra keeps accidentally showing her powers. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh the fence and then Neil's like, I can't see the fence until I pass by it. And, and she's I've like lived oh, for thirty years. Crap. I wasn't I didn't know that. Yeah. And not even that, like also um Maze, Maisie is the name of the cow. Yeah. Maize is the word, like, like the word for corn. It's the same in Spanish, maize. It's still very, the same. It's very essential. Sorry, side note. No, it's interesting. Yeah. No, and then, like, the Pueblos and the, um, the Hacienda, all of that. Love it. Mm-hmm. And also, even, the, like, also, like, I'm saying also so much. The fact that Rosa is the caretaker, and they yeah. say not just because, like, it is a tradition that women always inherit the property. Yeah, like, it's a matrilineal, matrilineal society. That is very, very true. Yeah. Oh, love it. Good attention to detail mm. and good incorporation of the culture. Indeed, indeed. And also, um, I'm going to skip forward a little bit as well for um, another one of the Navajo myths, they bring in kind of the concept of skinwalkers oh. with Neil. Oh, like those freak me out. <laughs> they are a little I creepy. know it's scary, not scary in these books, but in real life. Oh, it's ooh, creepy as heck. I don't even want to know if you have stories. 
I see too many things on TikTok. <laughs> I see too many things on TikTok no, about no, no, these no. things. I've, <laughs> heard, I've heard them like told like around the campfire, like with the drums, like coming, like with like the chip. It was oh, terrifying as a child. I, I had can't. nightmares for so long. No, but we have Neil, who is a skinwalker. And mostly you hear skinwalkers as being coyotes yeah. or wolves. But he has a horse. And he, I love how he just really calls it yeah. other form. Yeah. Using the correct terminology. Like, it's not just that he can shapeshift. It is another form. Mm-hmm. Love it. And also, he pulls out some huge rescues. Big, like, yeah. top. Way to go, Neil. I also find it interesting that because... Of another thing with, like, the culture, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but, like, the, it's it's not me trying to, like, being a stereotype, but, like, the ritual that's going on Mm -hmm. on the Mesa, I feel like that also is, like, a nod to, like, Navajo and Native American culture of, like, rituals for, like, elements and things like that, you know, and kind of, like, incorporating that into, like, the creatures that live on Las Mesa, it's also connected to it. I think that's really interesting. Like all of the creatures that they like, because all the the all of the people who were up there doing the ritual, yeah, the, had the beings up there. Yeah, yeah. all of the, all of them had creature characteristics yes. yeah. that were all native creatures: bobcats, coyotes, mm-hmm. all like all of them were native creatures that I've seen in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And it says that they're like welcoming the rain kind of thing of like the rain monsoon season is no joke yeah like (sighs) you think of arizona deserts you think hot dry basically but flash floods monsoons are terrifying they're super dangerous they're so dangerous like i like antelope canyons right it's like slot canyons they're gorgeous oh yeah but you can like you can be looking up at a completely clear sky mm-hmm. and they will say, no, we cannot allow you in there. Yeah. Because there will be rain pouring down hundreds of miles. Okay, not hundreds, but like 50 In the mountains in or the somewhere. Mountains, miles and miles yeah. away. There's not a cloud in the sky above you. But if it gets into the canyons, you could, like, I've heard stories where people, like, they had to climb up the side of the of the canyon and just brace themselves. Yeah. And there was just water crashing along. And if it within sweeps you minutes. away. Yeah, within minutes. And if it's, if it, if you get caught in it, you get slammed into walls. You're dead. Yeah. You're dead. And I love that that was communicated later on in this section where Kendra and the group, they're trying to get up onto the mesa going up the flooded stairs. Mm-hmm. But there is water. It's They're flooded. Like, yeah. There's water pushing them down. It It's basically like you're trying to go through a flooded slot canyon. And that is dangerous. Super dangerous. Of course, of course, that's the only pathway that's open, <laughs> the most dangerous one. To be fair, though, they're also gorgeous. Like, Antelope yeah. Canyon, do not pass up an opportunity to go explore it. Mm. Beautiful. I know. I want to go visit some salt canyons in southern Utah and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Highly recommend. Okay. Um, now that my Arizona ad is over. <laughs> I also like that we get more of the magical world. Yes. Because they go feed the zombies which is like i know i was like i mean yeah i guess this is a preserve for magical creatures but like why do you need zombies um and also the museum i love the part of the museum because it's super interesting because you know they have the dragon bones Donated by yours truly. The world's greatest adventurer. Mr. Patton Burgess himself. <laughs> Who always denied that he had personally killed the dragon. But He's like, I just found these bones. He was, he was being sold off by poachers. And he was like, nah, 
We know what you did. We know you. And I love how we actually, like, see, like, that's not, like, some people were not a fan of that. Like, we have yeah. Gavin, who was brought along for being the son of Chuck Rose. And as we find out, it is revealed that there is a dragon in the vault, mm-hmm. which is why he's been brought along. Just like yeah. Kendra was brought along to recharge the artifact, Gavin was brought along mm-hmm. to take and care he has of the dragon. A big respect for dragons because it was dead. So he's not happy when he sees, you know, one of the most famous dragons, Bones, on display. Mm-hmm. Ranticus, I think, is yeah, the name. Ranticus yeah, Ranticus the Invincible. Yeah. More story build, like story world building. Yeah. We get some more extra lore on dragons where like they are like the one of the most dangerous and most powerful magical creatures where basically if they look at you, if you make eye contact, you're paralyzed. Yeah. If you're just in there, like they just exude magical fear like Seth was feeling in the, whatchamacallit, in the grove with the Revenant. Like, you cannot get, like, you are terrified. Like, you are you are paralyzed in their presence. Mm-hmm. But Gavin is not affected by it. So yeah. they brought him along to talk to the dragon. But also, like, even, like, it talks about these bones. Like, they look magical. They're semi-transparent, harder than steel and mm-hmm. adamant, which is basically vibranium. Yeah. And, or um, mithril. <laughs> mithril, yeah. I was like, well, it's the Lord of the Rings one. <laughs> I just love that there's, like, like four, three or four Basically, words. the strongest metal that you can think of. Yeah, and like you, they, like we just find out like these like interesting lore about dragons. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, yeah. So yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. And we learned about dragon tamers too. Mm-hmm. It's just like the introduction that, to like dragons, and yeah. I wonder where that will lead. Maybe I a also, whole another series. <laughs> well, first, a whole other book. Yeah. Well, but um, I love how it says with like when. I think Neil finds out what, um, no, I mean, it's Hal. When Hal finds out what oh, yeah, Hal. Gavin's name is, like, that he's... Gavin Rose. That he's um, Charlie Rose's son. He's like, hey, Chuck Rose, that's the closest thing to a dragon tamer that we've had since Patton Burgess. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. That's boy. interesting that you have the son of Chuck Rose and then, like, the great-grandniece or whatever of... Pat and Burgess. And I just love Kendra. In the same being room, like, and you don't know. And I just love Kendra being like, hmm, yeah, in- interesting. It's like, oh, Pat and Burgess, never heard of that never guy. Greatest not world's like greatest studying, adventurer? That's like I've been studying his journals for weeks <laughs> on it. It's not like anything. I'm, re- it's not like Warren is, you know, related to him really close, and so am I. It's not like we're literally his incarnations, or Warren is. Like, yeah, is- <laughs> and Seth. <laughs> it's a good thing Seth wasn't there. Oh my god. <laughs> No, but I also agree, like, Kendra just having to, like, play it cool for, like, almost all of this and Warren being like, Kendra, come on. Like, yeah. You're, you're being too obvious. She, not only does gonna... she have to, like, be like, I don't know who Patton Burgess is, but she also has to, like, hide her powers. Oh, I can't but she see doesn't in do the dark. Co- yeah, she does not do a very good job of either. I don't um, know. The, um, she had a pretty good recovery after the, um, the fairy, like, covering up the, like, she was like, yeah. the fairy told her that they couldn't go up on the mesa. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she comes back down the stairs. She's like, she just says, first thing. So, couldn't get up. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the line she has, though. Yeah. When Gavin's like, how could you tell? She says, no bite marks. <laughs> that was funny. That was and then sad. Warren's like, seriously. And she's like, the looks on your faces. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I can imagine, like, the swipe pause. Like, oh, shoot. Um, the looks on your faces, they're very telling. Yeah. Warren, 10 minutes later. No, really, how'd you know? Fairy told me. I would be like, well, you're back already. Like, <laughs> I don't think it would be that fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, they took out the Fable Haven vault pretty quick. Yeah, 
But they had like if they got time in at twilight and she's there twelve hours later in the morning, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Let's let's cover everything about Lost Mesa first. What else okay. do you have? Um, Neil. I'm sad. So yeah, they get up on the Mesa. Well, first of all, they can't get up, and then they go back. And then they're like, oh, let's take Kendra because Kendra could see the fence because, well, Neil knew that she could see the fence. And so. She knows she can't be distracted yeah. by distracted Then it starts raining. They find the flooded stairs. And no one else can see it except Kendra until she leads them right to the base of it. They can't even see the waterfall, which is kind of crazy. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of crazy to me. They can't see, like, anything. Mm-hmm. And then. Magic. Yeah. The distractor spell. The mist. If this was Percy Jackson. <laughs> nice yeah and then she has to like lead them on a climbing expedition at night in the pouring rain i just like when i think of that i'm like man that sounds insanely hard like Mm -hmm. i don't know how you could even do that they did it but like it was crazy Mm -hmm. and then we immediately start getting consequences because they get up there and Mm -hmm. boom within two seconds death yeah. Tammy from the previous expedition that had failed gets yeeted off the side yeah. of the, the mesa. Literally, yeah. <laughs> and dead. And dead, yes. And Kendra, Kendra really almost, pulled. almost, and then Gavin comes and saves her. Yeah, Gavin. He, like, Gavin shows this, his stuff. Like Before this, he was very much a stutter. Professor Quill. Yeah, <laughs> that's, literally what it is. that's literally what it is. True. And then he's like beating the, I don't know what we call them, the people on top of the beings, mesa. Same beings. The beings on top of the mesa, left and right, uh, coyote yeah. on a stick. Love that was great. Oh man, they had some chemistry. Yeah, he was he he once he stopped stuttering, he was smooth. And yeah, I was like, oh wow, and Neil. He also kicks some butt, mm-hmm. turns into his horse form, and starts, like, never underestimate the power that is contained within a horse's hooves. Split skulls. True. Break bones. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, and I then, just love, like, Warren also giving credit where credit is due. Like, he's Warren like, did a pretty good job. <laughs> I like Warren. He's like, sorry, I was a bad bodyguard. Like, <laughs> thanks, Gavin, for bad picking t- up my slack. I was too busy taking out, like, three other guys over on the other side of the mesa. Yeah, Gavin had you. Warren and Dugan, you know, managed to survive. <laughs> so that's good. Wait, so who do we have? We had Tammy, Kendra, Gavin, Warren, Warren Dugan, Dugan, Neil. Was it yeah. just them six? Yeah, because I think they said they had five harnesses, and there were six of them. That's it. Because Warren was like, oh, I'll just go without a harness and just hold on to the rope. You know, you know, like four times he does that. The thing is, like, he's an adrenaline junkie, and so I know he loved it. Like, he's also like, I could do it because he's definitely the most, the most like physically capable. But also, he's like, I want to do this. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Dale is was literally Kendra when they were kids. One hundred percent, Dale was Kendra and Warren was Seth. Yeah, we've definitely talked about this before. (laughs) I know, but it just occurred to me, like how much, like like, how much Dale must have had to been like the put upon, like no, don't do that, you're gonna kill yourself. Whereas Warren was like, yeah, let's go swing across a cavern. Yeah, well, (laughs) Warren is definitely the one like volunteering for this. Yeah, (laughs) and that happens so many times. Like they finally get so they finally get in and. 
Warren's already been like, okay, we only have five harnesses. I'll just hold on to the rope at the end. It's fine. And honestly, you know, if he had slipped and fallen, he would have let go to make sure nobody else gets pulled out after him. Let's yeah. Be it's Warren. Later yeah. on, so they get into the next, the first task mm-hmm. is um, crossing the pillars, I believe. Yeah. And he's like, I'll go first and without any support and then I'll have a rope so in case anybody else falls, I'll be able to catch them yeah. and belay them onto like the wall. Mm-hmm. Later, they get into this area with like the puff, the choke, choke the pods? choke pods. Choke pods. Yeah, like the the poisonous filled balloons, basically. Basically, almost. if they brush your skin, they rupture, and then they kill anybody in the room. Yep. For like fill it with poisonous gas. At least it's a instantaneous death. Like they Pretty said, much, you die yeah. instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So that's something. But um, aside from that, um, but like he's like, I'll go first, completely unguided, without like in, like you're in going, the dark. In the dark. You are getting like like the way they describe it. Like this room is choke choke full of these choke pods, ah. and they have. Oh, I gotta give credit where credit's due. Tammy must have also been a queen because she like they said she was the one mainly figuring these things out. Yeah. Also, she had to get Javier out of there when the bro had no legs. Yeah, he was probably like bleeding. Whoa. Yeah. Wait. Can we talk about that for a second? How, How? did she? Because they said, like, oh, how did Javier get across, like, the things? The like, oh, like, oh, Tammy carried him because he had a potion that made him uh, lighter. But, like, first the of all, they had to get through the room. choke pods. Almost probably, first of all, she had to, like, stop his bleeding or Turn else he would have bled out. Because like, he had lost a leg and probably knee down from the other one. Yeah. Well, freak, Tammy. Give also, go Tammy Javier. deserves more credit, yeah. Go Javier. Like, he probably had to crawl. Because, like, they said, like, you literally had to, like, crawl through on your belly. Like, face mm-hmm. pressed against the ground. Like, there were times, like, it would brush so close. Like, because they, like, they, they never hit the ground. They never hit each other. And they never hit the stalagmites or the stalactites. Or the walls. Or the, or the walls. So you have to literally hug the ground. Yeah. You have to slither around. To get to the center of the room where there's a hole down. Like, a, a tunnel going down. Yeah. Hole? Like... Warren, That's of course, says, easy. I'll go first. Yeah. He gets to that hole in the middle by himself without being, like, because if you're pressed up against the ground, you can't see you can't what's really around see. you. can't really see, yeah. But he gets in there, he goes down the hole, and then he pokes his head out, and he uses a flashlight to guide everybody else through. Mm-hmm. Nobody guided him through. And arguably- Because Warren is a beast. <laughs> nobody guarded Tammy, guided Tammy through, and they had to figure out which, like, of the false tunnels was the real one. Oh, that's true. There are false tunnels. Go, Tammy. Wow. Rest in peace, girl. You, you did a good job. Round of applause for Tammy. Uh-huh. Rip Tammy. Rip Tammy. Well, uh, the good thing is that she told them about all the obstacles before she died. Before she got yeeted. Yeah. So, so thanks, that's, Tammy. That's a good thing. So, yeah. But after, but, and sadly, we do have another casualty. Neil, who tore his tendon racing around the plateaus mm-hmm. or the mesa, saving everybody's butts. Sadly, with, because of that injury, partially. He, yeah, he, he goes last because he's injured, and then... He ruptures a pod. And luckily for them, is able to warn them before he dies. Yeah. He's really sad. And then and they have to, like, book it out of there. Because if anybody's in there, it'll kill you. Yeah. But also, can we just read the part with Warren right afterwards? Oh. Because that hurts. painful. Because we all know Warren. Warren, like, is a passionate person. Like, he mm-hmm. 
what he cares about, he cares about, like, everyone. And when he really cares, like, he feels hard. Yeah. And so, um, like, they finally get clear of anywhere the gas could be. And um, everybody's talking to War, and they're like, hey, thanks. Because like, he got everybody through. He got yeah. Kendra, Gavin, and Dugan through. And they're all, like, thanking him. And Warren's just like... And, like, Dugan... I just love this visual. Dugan goes to put his hand on his shoulder and says, thanks. And Warren shrugs away from it. And he says, I owed Neil. He saved my skin when he changed into a horse and came charging into my rescue. Dangerous place. Bad luck. We should keep moving. He, like, doesn't even want to talk about it. Like, he's just like... Like, he had... Like, you can tell he just has to put on, like... Yeah. Like, just compartmentalize a little bit. Shove it to the back of his brain. Keep moving. Yeah. Because he knows. he kn- You know he knows he's one. He's probably the most capable one in there. Mm-hmm. He, he is the one who's going to get them through. He's like, the most Dugan's, experienced, too. Dugan's good. Like, Dugan's experienced as well. But I feel like Warren is experienced and he's, like, the most capable because he's, like, young and fit and, like, prime of his life and whatever. So. He, he knows that he's the one who's going to pull the most weight. And he's this. also still thinking about how he needs to take the artifact – from Dugan and take it back to Fablehaven or take it wherever, like, to hide it again. So he has to think about that, too. Mm-hmm. And he is just, like, and he just has to shrug it off and say, mm-hmm. let's keep going. Because if he dwells on it, he's going to break down. Yeah. Go, Warren. This is why we, we love Warren. Why we ah! Also, because of lines like this, um, <laughs> when he's guiding Kendra through the through the choke pods, and, like, he's got his head in there, and he's watching, and Kendra's like, wait, but if I hit up a, a choke pod, you die too. Yeah. And Horn comes up with, um, if you burst a choke pod and the gas doesn't get me, your grandfather will. Which is 100% true. <laughs> no words were needed after that. They just kept going. And I'm Stan like, does not mess around. <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was hysterical. That was really funny. Hysterical. Because you know that's his coping mechanism. Yeah, humor, humor. is hundred percent his coping mechanism. It runs in the family. We've definitely talked about this before. It's the Burgess gene. It's the Burgess gene. Laugh in the face of danger. <laughs> wow, two Lion King references. Oh. <laughs> I love it on the wild side. So then, from deathly poison gas, they go to the dragon. <laughs> And Gavin's like, this is my time. Gavin's like, I got this. <laughs> Showing this up why I'm here. So he goes in alone. Squeaks and squeals. Yeah, they Roars hear him, like, rumbles. speaking like a dragon. And they're like, what the frick? <laughs> this guy not only is, like, a dragon tamer, but he can, like, speak to dragons. Like, he has, like, some special abilities that he says his dad, like, came from his dad. He's like, like, when they get out of there... They're like, yo, you were looking her in her eyes. You were, mm-hmm. you, you were, you had full full oh and talk about Kendra bodies no talking about Gavin oh we're talking about Dugan's Gavin like, yeah Holy crap. oh yeah yeah like Warren they're both like dang this kid yeah they see him in action like they like you could talk to dragons like in their language like even that's like seems to be weird just for dragon tamers yeah and Gavin says so you're starting to see why I was kept a secret mm-hmm. and I'm like mm-hmm, this kid is more than he lets on because isn't he like 18 he's 16 Really? I thought I was close. You keep saying that every time you think he's 18. Maybe. And every time I have to say, that would be he's weird. Think Kendra's 16, and, she, and he's Kendra's two years 14, older than she is. Or that's, almost 14. Yeah, or is she almost 15? I think she's 14 at this point. She's 14, almost 15. 
I am 14, going on 15. She's 14, he's 16. And I think this part is where Kendra starts to feel more attracted attracted and connected to Gavin because he's also a young person with special abilities that are very specific and very, you know... Useful, coveted, coveted, interesting to not only the Knights of the Dawn, but the society. And so I think that's another, like, connection that she feels to Gavin. Mm-hmm. And also they held hands. And continuing on, probably we get to my, probably my favorite part of this section. So they get to the final chamber and they're like, okay, guys, you ready? The final guardian, which in Fablehaven's case was the giant fire acid spitting Pan- Three-headed panther cat. after nine lives. Yes. And they're like, okay, we, there's always a guardian, so be ready. Mm-hmm. They get in there, and they're like... The suspense is killing me. <laughs> and then nothing happens. There's nothing. And they're like... What? Am I supposed to like get a tripwire? Like, what is, what is happening here? And then... My favorite line. Very end of this chapter, the end of our section, we have Kendra sees in the center's pedestal, which they imagine would have been where the artifact had rested. They're like, so um, it seems like this has been all de- been deactivated. Yeah. And so they get in there and they look and Ke- to Kendra it looks like English. And Warren's like, that just looks like a bunch of scratches to me. What does it say? And when they're just like between the two of them, when it's just her and Warren, she says, she reads it out loud and says, courtesy of the world's greatest adventurer this artifact has a new home at where where dwight i think you, I know. Think you know where <laughs> fable heaven where else <laughs> thank you for referencing my if you guys don't know i made a sh- youtube short about this <laughs> that's what jessica was just quoting <laughs> where dwight i think you know where <laughs> Patton <laughs> has his fingerprints on everything mm-hmm. And I love how it's, like, implied, like, just with the fact that he has been invo- involved with the Lost Mesa earlier on in this yeah. book with, like, the donating of the full skeleton. That's true. That whereas the point where this doesn't 100% come out of nowhere. That's true. I guess, yeah, if you'd really, like, been paying attention just because what, like, you know the knowledge you have about, like the vaults that you're not supposed to be able to come back out without the artifact and the fact that Javier and Tammy were able to get out alive without the artifact kind of makes you think, oh, like there's something up here. And then if you know Patton Burgess, who is an adventurer and, you know, knows about the artifacts, I guess you could put together that he or someone would have already gotten it. And let's be honest, if anybody was already, would have already gotten it, it's Patton. It would be Patton. (laughs) It's Patton. It's always Patton. It is always Patton. (sighs) Imagine, okay, but imagine the society finds out about this. Because at this point, we, we, like, they, we know they set something into motion to get rid of Fablehaven. This yeah. plague that's been spreading that we will talk about more in the next 20 minutes. So, basically, you have, like, that's, that's what Vanessa said the Sphinx MO was. Mm-hmm. He goes in, he sets up a threat, he goes in, takes care of the threat to gain trust, takes what he needs, leaves, covers his tracks by... Burning the neighborhood burning to the ground. Burning the place to the ground, yeah. That's what he says. Imagine he finds out, like, imagine he finds out, or whoever it is, finds out that there's another fa- artifact 
parked at Fablehaven after the entire place has already been lit on fire. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, crap. I can just imagine that look of realization like, oh. That was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we call a problem. (laughs) Consequences of my actions. Mm-hmm. Like if this, if like the plan goes through, the plague works. There's no shot, pretty much, of getting that artifact. Which, funnily enough, would have like kind of been perfect for <laughs> keeping the prison closed. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, kind of short-sighted there, society. You're uh, you almost shot yourself in the foot. But luckily, our heroes are heroes. I mean. They're just lucky it wasn't in, like, Brazil. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That would have been a, <laughs> a <laughs> left turn. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, yeah, Patton anyway. is a boss. So, yeah, they go to Las Mesa, and they find out that what they were looking for the whole time is actually in their own backyard. Because, <laughs> of course, it is. But then moving on, we have... At Fablehaven. Yeah, we're going to go over the same time, like, the same chapters when we're talking about Fablehaven. I love how mature Seth acts during these chapters. Like, several things happen, but throughout it all, he is calm, collected, mature. He obeys, and he makes very solid arguments and propositions. Like, he is a valuable member of the team. Yeah. He's not being impulsive. He is not being reckless. He is being a good Mm -hmm. supporter of the team. Yeah. For example... The first chapter that we read with Seth is called Shadow Man, and that's when he sees the shadow of who we later found out to be Coulter outside his window. And instead of, like, opening the window or, like, doing anything, he immediately... For book one, Seth totally would have. Yeah, he immediately goes and tells Grandpa Mm -hmm. and Grandma, and he tells them what he saw, and then they come up with him with Tanu, and they don't see anything, and he's like, oh, but he's gone. You know what I love? What? Like, even, like, during the next day when there was no evidence... And, like, even when Coulter comes back and only Seth can see him, Grandma does a quick little, are you sure you're not pulling our leg just to make, like, just to get some, like, leeway? Like, yeah. she's just, like, like every guardian would, just, like, making sure. Grandpa does not doubt Seth for a second. He is like, I believe you. From the get-go, even when there's nothing there, he says, I believe you, Seth. I do love that, yeah. That's so good. And that, it lends me even more credibility to the theory that Grandpa was more of a Seth character in, in his youth. Like, he had that roguish, mm. rebellious streak. So he knows that when Seth has is serious, he's serious. He's like, like I can I, I recognize a kindred spirit. This is, he's not kidding. And I think it also shows their relationship in that mm-hmm. Grandpa is knowing, knows Seth better now than he did, obviously, in the first book. And that he recognizes when he is telling the truth and he knows that he's not lying. Mm-hmm. I love it. <sighs> but yeah, so we find out throughout this chapter that, because in the last section, Coulter was assumed to be dead mm-hmm. because he was bitten so many times by the, the by the dark fairies and he just disappeared. Yeah, they didn't know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. So later, though, when the shadow comes back, he holds up his hand and it's revealed that it's Coulter because Coulter was missing a pinky and yeah, part of his ring finger. That was a good, mm-hmm. that was a clever way yeah. to find out it was him. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, huh, 
And so they managed to communicate because even though Kelter can't speak, he like Seth can like when they're like asking questions, Seth can see Seth can see his responses. Mm-hmm. And I love how responsible again that Seth's being about this. Like Seth's like he's reporting everything exactly as it said. Yeah, he's proposing questions like, like I'm willing to do this. Like what if it's this? Because they have, they said they have narrowed it down to like like they have zero suspects at this point. Yeah, they don't know who it was, but like that could have sorted this plague. Like all the demons are accounted for. Nobody else would have the power, etc. And I love that they are like. Fine, we'll go ask Vanessa. And then Vanessa gives them the one clue that they couldn't think. And also, another nail in the coffin for the Sphinx theory. Mm -hmm. Because she's like, what about the previous occupant of the box? Yeah. Brilliant theory. She's like, you saw him leave with the Sphinx? They're like, yeah. She's like, did you see him leave? They're like, yeah. They're like, uh, now that you mention it. Because nobody knew who was in there. Yeah. Only the Sphinx knew. Only the Sphinx knew. Which is suspicious. And this is her theory of, oh, he used the prisoner, whoever it was, to help him start the plague. And then they ran off into the sunset together. (laughs) Well, their suspect suspect is that he's still there. That the guy who was in the quiet box has been released into the preserve and has not left. And that he's the source of the plague. I love how... Every time grandma's like, no, no, we're not going to talk to her. We're not going to, we're not going to do it. But then every time they're like, she's like, fine. What do you have to say? Yeah. I mean, they have no one else to turn to. So it also is kind of funny when they're going to go down there. Tanya was looking for his handcuffs and he's like, I don't know where they are. And grandma's like, did you take them off of her? No, no, no. It's not like that. It's like, did you take them off of her? Like the way it says, like spoken as if she already knew the answer. And they're like, oh. And I love that grandma probably noticed that. She probably did. <laughs> that would be a grandma move for sure. She would she's leave so, the handcuffs like, she's on. Butter. She's bitter. Like, I'm pretty sure they slammed she the door in her face, her didn't they? so much. So much. Oh, yeah. No, she does slam the door in Vanessa's face. Like, she knew the handcuffs were still there. She didn't give a crap, though. It's so funny. <laughs> no, yeah. So now they have some more suspects. So they know that. So now then they head over because oh, this part was also kind of sad because um, Newell gets turned. Dale, Doran. Yeah. Doran comes running up to the yard and re- yells at Seth and's like, Seth, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And Seth and Tanu and with Mendigo go off into the woods. To this see, little, like, shack that... Because Nor- uh, Doran is report- has reported that the Nipsies have taken their revenge. Mm-hmm. Newell had broken, like, had, like, halted their war, the Dark Nipsey's war against the other kingdoms. Yeah. And they tracked him down and bit him multiple times. And he turned into a dark version of a satyr, which we find out is just more goatish and brutish. Beefier, too. <laughs> yeah, well, like, there's, like, a picture and yeah, it's, like... So f- it's yeah. one of the illustrations in the book. And it also hurts as well, like, because he's still capable of speech. And, like, later on, like, Doran's like, don't do this. Like, we're best friends. Why are you doing this? And Newell's just like, you'll thank me later. She's <laughs> like, but they were best friends. And that's sad. It is sad. And I know this is also probably, it also hurts a lot for Seth. Because mm-hmm. first, Coulter, who was, like, 
his teacher and he cares about him and then his two best friends at Fablehaven, Newell and Doran, and Newell gets turned dark. And why were they bothering the Nipsies? Because of Seth. <laughs> they went there well, because they were trying to pay Seth for the They were the trying to pay Seth, but they had already been there. But so they, they were using him, back. but yeah. They wouldn't have so, gone back, most likely. Yeah, that sucks for Seth. So he's got to be feeling some guilt from that. Mm-hmm. And then so because t- of that, Tanu gets bit by by Newell, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And then Tanu turns into a shadow. Mm-hmm. Which is so sad. Mm-hmm. So sad. So, like... Another one bites the dust. <laughs> bites the shadow. <laughs> Bitten by the shadow. <laughs> bites the poly. Another one bites the poly. <laughs> so... Basically, now we know that when humans are bit, they just turn into shadow versions of themselves that only Seth can see. Yeah. Otherwise, everybody else, they just look invisible and they can't contact. But whereas magical creatures turn into different versions of themselves. Yeah, like, like a completely, dark version of themselves. Like but their personality has changed too. Uh-huh. But it seems that humans can keep their faculties about them. Mm-hmm. They can still think and reason. It seems. Yeah. Not 100% sure yet. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so Tanu is bitten and corrupted completely. It's like, I kind of imagine being like when Sandman gets hit in the back with the black sand arrow in Rise of the Guardians. Oh. It's just like creeping over him. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I hate that moment. It's so good. Love that one. Love that movie. Fantastic movie. Sorry. It's like slowly turning. Imagine you're not Seth and you can't see. Tony's arm is just turning invisible in front of his eyes. And he's basically now a vampire. He can't go out in the sun because it burns. Yeah. It's, it's it's so cold it burns. That's crazy. Just imagine like looking down your arm and it's just like invisible, but you can still feel it. That'd be trippy. Trippy. That's so crazy. <laughs> I also find it funny when like Seth's trying to communicate that no, it's not invisible. Because to Titanio, it looks invisible, just like yeah. Coulter was invisible. Nobody even, like, nobody was even sure, 100% sure that Coulter was there. And, like, Seth has took a um, gaseous potion in order to escape mm-hmm. Newell without getting bit. Yeah. And so um, I just love the fact that, like, Seth gets back to the house and Tana's like, my mom's turning invisible. And Seth's like, points at, like, a black binder notebook. And oh, yeah, because he can't talk because he's still he gaseous. Talk. And um, Tana's like, uh, yeah, you can take notes. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take notes, but you're, you're, you could just tell your parents when you uh, – your grandparents when you turn back to normal. And Seth's like, no! He's trying to he's, – he's having to, like, practice his charades. <laughs> Runs over to a plant, like, well, drifts over to a plant and, like, gestures at, like, the shadow it's making with the sun. Yeah. And then points at the arm. He's like, oh! My arm is shadowy to you. And Seth's like, okay. yes! Thank you. Yeah, Seth's like, oh, I can't talk. This is the worst. <laughs> Gives it another five minutes and he pops back in, but I just yeah. thought that was funny. Seriously, though, I love this Seth. This Seth right here, mature, conscious, empathetic. Yeah, this is a good Seth. Reasonable. Still a little impulsive. Like, he's like, because the sh- Coulter initially was asking, because what Coulter, like, when they were asking questions to Coulter that he could say yes or no to, um, Coulter said that he can go into places that people can't normally go as a shadow person. Yeah. Like he said he can go into, like, like because there's, like, a few spots that if you're a person, you do not want to go unless you die. But Coulter, as a shadow person, now has seems to have some kind of protection. 
So he's been venturing around, it seems. Mm-hmm. And he says, I need Seth. Seth needs to come with me. And I just love how Seth's like, okay, let's go. Done. Let's go. <laughs> so Seth just, he still has a little bit impulsive. He's matured a lot, but he's still got like that. Oh, yeah. the reserve, preserve needs me. I'm going. Like, it, it shows the good part of his personality, of his bravery. Yeah. It's like the good part of his impulsiveness. He's he's trying to use it to, like, help and not cause more problems. And next time, we'll see if he does. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, we're checking the time right now, and we are running a little bit low. But I think we covered pretty much everything we yeah, wanted to. Yeah, that's, like, basically everything. Yeah. Um, Do you have any, any Seth Kendra or Warren, Warrenisms? I think I shared my you main one. You shared some. Um, I just love the scene at the beginning of the Shadow Wounds chapter where, um, they're having Mendigo throw, (laughs) or, Mendigo and, um, Hugo are playing baseball, (laughs) and they hit it, like, way off into the forest. I love that part. It's, like, such, like, a... Mm -hmm. Such a like case. a that's a Seth thing. That's such a Seth thing to think of. Be like, have one throw it to the other, and then have them like hit it as far as they can. That's so funny. But it's also like a great like, oh, what if <laughs> they were playing baseball, mm-hmm. and how would it be? I just love that. <laughs> I got. I have a part from Grandpa. Like, um, Seth is like, I need to go with them. Like, it could be a part of like helping the preserve. Like, we need to keep that in mind. And Grandpa says, I won't rule it out because Seth has been mentioning it so long. And Grandma goes, Stan, and like, like she's like. No, no way I'm letting him do this. And it says, Grandpa turned to face her and her expression softened, implying that Seth couldn't see whatever Grandpa did. And Seth's like, wait, did you just wink at her? Are you just trying to shut me up? <laughs> Grandpa regarded Seth with an amused expression. You get more perceptive every day. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even deny it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I think I have maybe like one more. Oh, um, when Kendra was like, when she had to... Um, Across the cavern. She's like, okay, just think like Seth. So basically, don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think, just do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get to the next part in this book. Mm -hmm. Because we're getting down to the wire. Indeed. My favorite chapter is coming up. Brownie Sunday. (laughs) I love that chapter so freaking much. (laughs) Yeah, you do. All right. Well... You want to take us out, Jessica, and the With episode? With pleasure. All right, guys. Again, just like we said at the beginning, thank you guys all so much for your support. Um, every little bit helps, even if it's just a quick listen or view on our YouTube channel, channel anything. Uh, also, like we mentioned, please go ahead and go check out our tier list video on YouTube. Our channel name is Knights of the Dawn. Is it Knights of the Dawn Podcast? Knights of the Dawn Podcast. Okay. Same picture and everything. Same. Yep. You'll be able to find it anywhere. And go ahead and watch that. We had a ton of fun making that one and going through all the books. A little, it got a little heated at points over certain books. You probably can guess what they are if you <laughs> listen to all the episodes. <laughs> but I think overall we're happy with that turned out. Yeah. Besides that, though, um, please feel free to send us any, an email at nightsofthedompodcast at gmail.com. We are doing our best to respond to all the ones that we get. We really appreciate hearing from all of you. Um, besides that... Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Any comments or compliments or baseless accusations, feel free to leave them below. <laughs> but we hope you guys have all have a great day, a great start to your school year in the past days, weeks, or months. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. And drink the milk. Bye.